swing and a drive, deep to left center field, going, going, goodbye baseball! This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss, strike three, that's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle, oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. Your heart pounds a little harder. The grip on the TV remote gets a little tighter. That's what playoff baseball does to you. And did we get a glimpse of what playoff baseball could be like here in Seattle over this past weekend as the Mariners took three of four from the Cleveland Guardians? Now, look, by any stretch of the imagination, what the four games we saw over this weekend, they were not pretty by by any measure. Uh, the most runs scored in any of the games was four, both teams reaching that mark one time. But you know what? I, I look at this Mariners team, and, and yes, the offense has been lacking over the season's second half, for sure. It has not gotten uh, hot. It has not been to the level that we kind of expected it would be with the return of Mitch Hanniger to the lineup, with the return of Ty France to the lineup, with the return of Julio Rodriguez to the lineup. All those guys, the biggest contributors in this lineup, when, when healthy, uh we all kind of expected them to be putting up runs at a, a much more consistent clip. Now, that didn't happen. But in playoff baseball, all that matters is getting the W. All that matters is getting the win. And your pitching staff will carry you as far as they can in playoff games. And as we have seen from this Mariners ball club, specifically in this Cleveland series that we just paid witness to at T-Mobile Park over the four games, Mariners pitchers came with it. If it wasn't for the blow-up of Andres Munoz on Saturday night, we're talking about a four-game sweep of the American League Central leading Cleveland Guardians, and we're fewer than 40 games remaining in this regular season. In fact, we're, what, now 34 games remaining since the last time we spoke, since the last time we had extra innings, which was a week ago. Really appreciate you making this a part of your Monday night here on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. But when you look at playoff baseball, you're going to be playing a lot of low-scoring games. You're going to be playing games where your starting pitching is going to be relied heavily upon, where the bullpen may pitch a little earlier than you had anticipated, where every little move, every little you know decision in that game matters so much. I mean, look at Sunday's game where you put Dylan Moore in at shortstop and he hits the go-ahead three-run home run to give the Mariners their first lead, their only lead, the only lead that they would need in that game. But look at how tight it was throughout. You could almost say that the ball that glanced off of the netting in foul territory, the pitch prior to Dylan Moore, I mean, had the biggest outcome of any pitch in the game because the very next batter or the very next throw from Cleveland starter Aaron Savali, Dylan Moore took him deep. The stretch. And the 2 2 to Dylan Moore. Swing and a high drive. Deep to left field. Quan going back in the corner to the track to the wall. Goodbye, baseball. Out by Edgar's Cantina. Dylan Moore with his sixth home run of the season with two on. And the Mariners have a 3 nothing lead over the Guardians here in the bottom of the fifth. That's the beauty and kind of the ugliness of playoff baseball is that. It can change in one pitch. It can change for both sides, whether good or bad. We saw it change in the Mariners' favor on Sunday with the Dylan Moore home run. And we saw it change against their favor on Saturday 
in the eighth inning when Andres Munoz gave up the lead and, and Cleveland came away with their 4-3 victory, their only win of the four-game series. Now, is this a pace that the Mariners can continue to play throughout the rest of the regular season into the playoffs? Look, if we're going to have you know peaceful night's sleep, I would hope that they are able to put a little bit of distance between themselves and the teams that they're playing, not just in the standings, but also on the scoreboard as well. And they have a ripe opportunity for that coming up against the Detroit Tigers, one of the worst teams in the American League, for a three-game series, which starts tomorrow right here on the Mariners Radio Network, pregame 3 p.m., uh, 4 10 is going to be the first pitch of game one. George Kirby on the mound for the Mariners. And it, it, it represents a big opportunity for the Mariners to stack some wins prior to the toughest remaining stretch on their schedule. Once you get past this stretch of Cleveland, of Chicago, of Atlanta, of San Diego, you're looking at a, a stretch of the season where you will not face a team with a winning record the rest of the way. It gets easier and easier and easier for the Mariners. But to get that part of the schedule, to get to that part of the schedule, you've got to take care of business right now. You've got to take care of business in this Detroit series before you end up facing the Angels, the A's, the Royals, the Rangers, the A's again, and then this Tigers team again. That's how the season finishes off. To get that reward, you have got to go through the fire. And what better way to test your playoff medal than by going up against these really good teams in the month of September, which starts in, what, two days? We're, we're just a couple days away from the month of September, the final month of regular season baseball, before this team, which sits at 94% uh, playoff odds, according to Fangraphs, as of today, on August 29th. Now, that doesn't mean hardly anything, because we have so much baseball still to be played in the final month of the season. But to test your playoff medal, to see how good you stack up against other teams that are, are nipping at your heels in the American League wild card. This stretch of schedule is going to be imperative for the Mariners to get wins. If you want to really see how good your team is, no better opportunity than what you have right now than to go out and, and stack some wins and get that playoff experience under your belt because – yeah, this team doesn't have much playoff experience with the guys on the roster. Look, it's been 20 seasons since the Mariners last made it to the playoffs. This would be year number 21. We don't want to you know, think about that, but obviously you're going to have to rely on, on your veteran players. You're going to have to rely upon your, your guys that have been there or, or you know, guys like Carlos Santana. Robbie Ray has been in the thick of a playoff chase. Uh, heck, Luis Castillo has, has played in, in big games a lot more recently than many guys on the Mariners roster. But you look at guys like Mitch Haniger, who was here a year ago as, and was a key contributor to that 91 season for, for Seattle, the first 91 season the Mariners had since 2003. He talked about it in his Players' Tribune article, how much of a lift that the Mariners got from the crowds that were – present at T-Mobile Park over the season's final week, over the season's final month. And it was incredible to see that kind of support, see that kind of outpouring at T-Mobile Park over the season's final week. But they all kind of said, we need that day in and day out. And and the crowd that was there over the course of the Cleveland series, and yes, obviously the festivities surrounding Ichiro Mariners Hall of Fame weekend had a lot to do with people who were in attendance and Maybe the news of Julio Rodriguez's massive contract extension played a big role in who decided to show up over the weekend. But, man, crowds at T-Mobile Park are going to have a big say in how this season finishes because there is nothing better 
than having a stadium packed full of your fans giving it their all. Heck, I, I saw today the Mariners who have a series coming up against Cleveland to finish off this week uh, going into Labor Day weekend. The Cleveland Guardians have started to sell $11 tickets uh, for that Mariners series, specifically for the Mariners series. That's how big the Mariners have become here in the 2022 season. That's how much they have mattered is that opposing teams are now, you know, creating ticket specials in order to give their team a much needed home field advantage against the Mariners. You want to know how, how much this Mariners team ha- has gone from sort of afterthought in the, in the consciousness of major league baseball fans to, uh, where they are right now, Paul Seawald. I saw him on on social media today on Twitter, basically campaigning to put the Mariners' September 11th game against the Atlanta Braves on Sunday Night Baseball. Like that's that's how real this is right now. I don't know how far out ESPN does scheduling Sunday Night Baseball, but every game matters so so much down the down the stretch of the season. You're not allowed to take a breath. You're not allowed to. Uh, take your foot off the gas pedal. That's why when when I talk about you know like the national series, for example, when the Mariners dropped one of those two games and it was a winnable game, that's why it, it was such a gut punch when it happened because it's like, man, you would love to have had that win back. You would have loved to have been able to add one more win to your total, especially looking at the American League wildcard standings where. Every day it changes. Every day there's somebody new atop the standings. You want to keep pace with Tampa. You want to keep pace with Toronto. You want to keep Baltimore away from from surpassing you. That's the importance of every game. You can look at a series and say, ah, well, you know, they took two or three. Ah, well, you know, we'll get them next time. They had a winning road trip of five and four, but it's like, yes. But, man, every single day, every single win matters. And you look at this series against the Tigers – a series against a Detroit team that, yes, Detroit has played better as of late. They scored a lot of runs in their series against Texas. They scored a lot of runs. Uh, I think they had a game of 9 and 11 and 6 in that series, which is a stark contrast to how their offense has performed this year. But you look at this Tigers team. They are so done with the 2022 season. So go out and put them out of their misery. Go out and take three from them at Comerica Park. That is the expectation heading into this series. And I hope the Mariners follow through on that. We have got plenty in store for you tonight on Extra Innings. Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. He joins me next. Also, we've got Cody Stavenhagen. He covers the Tigers for The Athletic. He'll join me at 8 o'clock. We've got tons and tons of great conversation that you've heard throughout the day, throughout the past days here on Seattle Sports Station. Talking about your Mariners, we've got Greg Gamsinger with Wyman and Bob. Shannon Dreher, she joined me on the postgame yesterday. We'll take a listen to what she had to say. Lots and lots coming your way tonight here on Extra Innings. You don't want to go anywhere. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners. On the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Joining me now in studio here on this Monday night, Extra Innings special guest. It's Brandon Gustafson, as he always does. What's up? Joining me. Brandon, really appreciate you joining me. I mean, the people have been clamoring for you over the last week. I had to give them what they wanted. Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the number one thing I'm asked every, every week is, uh, oh, man, are you going on extra innings? Are you going on extra innings? And yeah. you know what? I'm going on extra innings. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he, right here, right now. Do not miss it. A lot of, lot of fun stuff going on at T-Mobile Park this last week. There was 
obviously a big series against Cleveland. The Mariners take three of four. There's the Ichiro festivities that were going down. But also, you were in attendance for Julio Rodriguez's press conference where he was officially introduced as a Mariner for the next, what, dozen years? 14 uh, years? 18 to, years? Up to 18 years starting next season. God, I mean, look, we've had a few days to digest the news of Julio Rodriguez's contract, but I mean, just what seventy-two hours after the fact that when, you know when the rumors started trickling out, we saw from Jesse Sanchez of MLB.com and Jeff Passan of ESPN like this might be a possibility. I mean, how have you been able to kind of put it in perspective over the last couple of days? Because still, to me, it, it just feels like really this is this is actually happening. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of hard to put in perspective because uh, and it, it's something Jerry Depoto and all of them talked about on Saturday. There's never really been a deal like this. I mean, you're looking at a contract that could keep Julio <laughs> in Seattle for up to 18 years starting next year and if all works out where he hits the the highest high bars of his incentives and whatnot, he's making almost five hundred million dollars. So if you're looking at the deal as far as what it could possibly be on the max end, eighteen years, that's the longest contract in MLB history. Right now the longest current contract is Fernando Tatis Jr.'s fourteen year deal with the Padres, which uh after some ringworm, they're probably not looking back too fondly on, right? Uh, but then, couple of motorcycle yeah, accidents, exactly. But uh, but on the money side of it, um, and it, they've never there's only been one four hundred million dollar contract in MLB history, and that's Mike Trout for obvious reasons because he's he's Mike Trout. So the Mariners are investing a lot in Julio Rodriguez, and I think it says a lot too that somebody who's well ahead of arbitration years and potentially had he waited could have made even more money. I think it says a lot that he's putting this kind of commitment to to the Mariners and the city of Seattle. It's a it's a it's a really big deal. You were in attendance for Julio's press conference on Saturday. Yeah. What was the one bit of information that you learned on that day about whether about the deal or about just Julio's relationship with the Mariners that has stuck with you in the days since? Yeah, so there were two things. Um, one was how many of his coaches and teammates were in attendance. I thought that was really notable because that was a 7-10 start time. Uh, apparently, they didn't really have any meetings throughout the day scheduled, so there were I walked in and Mitch Haniger and Ty France were in the back of the room. I saw a number of other players trickle in. I think ultimately more than half the team ended up showing up. I saw Scott Service with Perry Hill. I saw a few other of their coaching staff as well. And again, this is a day that this is six hours before first pitch. This is a day where theoretically a lot of these guys could show up later to the ballpark to to get stuff done. And they they were all in attendance for him, and I, I thought that that said a lot about Julio and the teammate that he is, and just kind of what he means to the team and the franchise. But the other thing was uh, a- after the press conference, Jerry Depoto talked to reporters, and he said that the there uh, basically the way the contract works is it's a seven year deal starting next year, and when that's done, it's a club option for anywhere from eight to ten years with all these different numbers that could be tied to it as far as the money goes. And and the the incentives of that deal have to do with MVP finishes and voting. And and Jerry made it very clear that came from Julio. That was Julio betting on himself, thinking that he's going to be that kind of player. And he wanted that challenge and that opportunity to go out there and become that kind of player to earn more money. So that was definitely one of the things that stands out because, I mean, Jerry basically said, like, we would have given him more of that money uh, <laughs> up front. He didn't need to go out and do that, but it just kind of said a lot about him. And it shows that that the Mariners think that he's that type of MVP caliber perennial type player and that Julio thinks that he has that opportunity to be that also. I thought that was pretty notable. 
It feels like Julio has always been a guy unafraid to bet on himself. I think back to the All-Star break where he participated in the Home Run Derby and everybody's kind of like, oh, I don't know. I mean, and maybe he did aggravate that wrist injury yeah. a little bit, but he also doubled his salary for the 2022 <laughs> season in one night, picking yeah. up that $700,000 bonus, finishing exactly. second place uh, in that exhibition. I mean, look, even to start this season – you know, being called up out of spring training, you hardly ever see that anymore in today's day and age because of the service time and whatnot. Maybe the new CBA will have a big change to that going going on in the future. But this is a guy that that I'm I'm not surprised at all that he was insistent on these things because he knows that he is capable of doing it. And I mean, how often or have we ever had a perennial MVP candidate here in Seattle? I, the only two guys I can think of were you know King Griffey Jr. Well, I mean, maybe Alex Rodriguez yeah. too, and Ichiro. I think yeah. those are the only three. Well, and going back to the to your point about him betting on himself, nobody in that organization thought he was a center fielder. That's true. And now he's one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball too, and I, I think that 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 says a lot about it. But yeah, I mean, you you had some perennial Cy Young types, right, with with Randy Johnson and Felix and and Griffey and Ichiro and A Rod, but you never had anybody give this kind of commitment to the team. Griffey left. A, a, in his late 20s, early 30s, A-Rod left as soon as he was able to. Ichiro gave it 10 years, and that was a little bit of different circumstances. That was kind of an organization and a team that was just kind of stuck in neutral, didn't really have the ability to get Ichiro what he needed and wanted, which was a playoff berth. Uh, and then Felix got the big deal and, and and gave a lot to the Mariners, but unfortunately near the end injuries and whatnot just kind of caught up with him. But you, you've you been seeing more of these kind of deals, Curtis, of of young players, young potential superstars signing these deals and and buying out their arbitration, buying out the first part of their of their potential free agency. You're not seeing this kind of potential commitment from anybody around the league, though. I mean, somebody that's that when all is said and done, if he hits every single possible factor and he's here for the entire 18 years and makes all that money and whatnot, you're gonna be talking about a guy who'll have spent well over half of his life within the Mariners organization, having been <laughs> having signed since he, when he was 16. I think that, that's that's pretty that's pretty remarkable. His the length of the contract could be more years than how much he had lived by the time he signed with the yeah, exactly it's 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 pretty it's pretty crazy and again like you've never seen a deal like this in MLB history very complicated there are a lot of factors to it but it definitely sounds like just with the kind of player he is and his age and what they think he can be and to get him fair compensation for what he ultimately becomes it kind of had to be structured this way Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com joining me in studio here on Extra Innings and Brandon in the open, I kind of looked at this last weekend for the Mariners against Cleveland as sort of a playoff test. And oh, yeah. It was an ugly series in that you weren't getting a lot of offense from either team, but I kind of feel like that is how playoff baseball is played, where there is is such a, a big chess match between the two teams where your pitching is relied upon so heavily. When you look at this series and, and maybe what it can kind of foretell about the Mariners' playoff hopes. Did did you think that they passed the playoff test? We saw. Yeah, I mean that's a Cleveland's probably going to win the AL Central. They're they're a very good team. Then they're a very good pitching team. And you saw the Mariners kind of go toe to toe with a with a team that wants to win very similarly to you know how the Mariners want to. They're they're a team that uh, leans on a 
pretty strong starting rotation and a very, very, very good bullpen. Those are probably, you can make the case, those were the two best bullpens in baseball going head-to-head this past weekend and needed some timely hitting to come through. And uh, thankfully for the Mariners, they had Mitch Hanniger, particularly for those first two games. Uh, but yeah, definitely pass the playoff test. I think that they can certainly, this shows I think that they can match up with anybody in that first round because they've shown that they can go and beat Toronto. They didn't really have Tampa Bay's number this year, but they played them so early in the year before they really clicked. And if you just go back and look at the roster the Mariners had before they played Tampa, way, way different. And Tampa Bay has been dealing with a number of injuries and whatnot too. Um, and now, now this Cleveland series, I, I think that the Mariners can absolutely get through that first round going up against the Yankees. If they're able to kind of get their footing and obviously the Mariners feather struggles with the Astros, that's a different story, but the Mariners look like a playoff team and they look like a playoff team that can absolutely get out of that first round. 94% playoff odds right now. It, I mean, it's not, think, it's not a guarantee. Yeah, I think it, a lot of Mariners fans are kind of putting their fingers in the ears like, la 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 la. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. God. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been two decades. Nothing, yeah. nothing's guaranteed as, as we have seen over the course of that span. Brandon Gustafson here in studio. Brandon, uh, big day from Ty France yesterday, hitting the home run, also hitting a single as well. Yeah, a multi- giving, giving Christopher Negrona a big hug over at first base <laughs> after that single, that had to feel pretty good. God, yeah, I, I would imagine so, especially considering that all that Ty has said over the last month or so. Um, but that has got to be... If the Mariners are going to get to where they want to go this season, Ty France is going to have to play like he did prior to the All-Star break. And, and yesterday, so good to see him put a charge into a ball, which we haven't seen in quite some time, uh, because, boy, that that you could feel a collective sigh of relief yeah. in T-Mobile Park when <laughs> I mean, that ball left you, you felt a collective sigh of relief when he hit the single, and then, yeah. <laughs> then all of a sudden, two-hit game with a home run, and it's like, oh, is, is Ty France back? Ty oh. France might be back. That's a... That's a big deal, and, and you know, unfortunately, it's been an issue for the Mariners this year and dating back to last year where they've had to rely so heavily on just a handful of guys, particularly at the top of the order, and of late, it's been Mitch Hanniger because, in part, Ty France has really struggled, so getting him back and going will be huge. I think that, uh, obviously, getting some guys at the bottom of the lineup to, to help and turn over would be really helpful because then that kind of opens the opportunity for somebody like Ty France, who's hitting at the top, to to kind of get his footing and drive in some runs. I thought it was good that Scott moved him down a little bit, just kind of like, hey, take some pressure off of him a little bit. Um, we, we still saw some of the swing and miss, the chase uh, low and away. If he's able to kind of just really compartmentalize and be a little bit better in the zone going forward, I think he'll be okay. But when you're in the midst of an 0 for 20, when you're someone who, for the better part of the season, was hitting 300, 310, you can see why he's starting to chase. He's trying to kind of swing his way out of it. And unfortunately, when you're doing that and you're expanding the zone and you're getting guys that are knowing that you're doing that and are willing to swing at those breaking balls, nothing good is really going to come of it. So seeing him go out there, hit the ball hard twice, and just get on the stat sheet again, again, 0 for 21 before that single, has to be feeling really good, especially heading into an off day. I'm sure that <laughs> I'm sure he's feeling oh, yeah. a, breathing a big sigh of relief today. That plane ride must have been uh, his most pleasant one Absolutely. Uh, over the last month. <laughs> he is Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at TheBGustafson. Read him at SeattleSports.com. You're doing yourself a disservice if you don't. So this is my plea to you to do so. <laughs> Brandon, really appreciate you joining me. And uh, boy, can I... Can I pencil you in for the next yeah, extra yeah. innings? Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll check my schedule, but, okay. I'll, but I'll, I'll, I'll try and leave it open for you. Appreciate it. <laughs> On the other side, I'll be joined by Shannon Dreyer. We talk about Robbie Ray's performance, as well as Ty France potentially busting out of his slump. That's coming your way next here on Extra Innings 
on the Mariners Radio Network and Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to Extra Innings Inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Hey, make sure you are downloading the Extra Innings podcast. It's on the Seattle Sports app, also available at seattlesports.com and wherever it is you get your podcast. 30 minutes from now, Cody Stavenhagen of The Athletic. He covers the Detroit Tigers for them. He stops by for an opponent preview. First time the Mariners have faced the Tigers in the 2022 season. Hard to believe we're nearing September. Haven't seen a team in the American League yet, but that is the case with the Mariners and Tigers. That conversation comes your way in 30 minutes from now. But up next, Shannon Dreher joined me on the postgame show yesterday following the Mariners 4-0 victory over Cleveland. We talked a lot about Robbie Ray's performance, but also the importance of Ty France coming out of his slump. How do we feel about that wrist now? A little better. (laughs) I think everybody can kind of breathe a sigh of relief. You don't hit a ball that far with with a bad wrist. Would it help also if I I know that all these kind of conspiracy theories are it's got to be the wrist, it's got to be the wrist, and, and it's everybody says it's not, and those of us that cover him on a daily basis have pointed out we haven't seen any treatment on that wrist. And the latest thing is, is I saw him twirling bats on Friday, <laughs> which if you've ever twirled a bat one-handed, have a you? A lot noticed? of wrist action. A lot of wrist, wrist action. I, I think the wrist is fine. I, I think that, and you'll hear from him in a couple of minutes, but um, timing was off. And he was you know, just missing some pitches. And then when that's off, that can kind of play with him by swinging at the right pitches when that kind of thing happens. And he did some early work on Friday that you'll hear about that sounds like kind of helped get his timing back, probably also kind of helped clear his head a little bit. Now, Ty France is not a guy that steps up to the plate and is thinking, I need to do this and this and this, or this pitcher is going to do this or that or any of those things. But when he's struggling, I think he's probably hearing a little bit more when he steps up to the plate. So I think that had something to do with it as well. But um, good to see, so important to see. I think we have learned how important his bat is in this order from what we had seen as he has struggled in York correct. It's been the entire month of August. Um, we have not seen the extra base hits from him, and we have not seen a ton of hits from him. And it, it's very foreign because we really have not seen him struggle for any extended length of time that couldn't be explained by injury before, and I think we just saw it. So... Um, yeah, it, it, it's he's asked this question, and it's something that we've seen time and time again. Sometimes it does just take one swing, and I would suspect that that is kind of where he is, not just because of the swing that he put on that ball, but because of the work that he did leading up to it. Well, and, and also you can see progress, because that wasn't his only hard-hit ball of the day. I believe he had three balls today with an exit velocity of over 100 miles an hour, which, I mean, if you're hitting it that hard, you're – you're barreling it up. You're you're able to put a good swing on the ball. So uh, it wasn't just the home run today from France. He had the single. Uh, he struck out in his first at bat. But there are there are signs of progress here. And look, it's a good Cleveland pitching staff. Savali had it really working today, and, and then France hit that one off him that ended Savali's day. So uh, good to see from Ty. I mean, how does he spin this forward? How does he go? from a day like today where there's obvious progress you just got to piece it together another good day another good day another good day how does he keep it going he remembers he's Ty france and i think that he does not need to see much i think he understands where things were going wrong and how he was off and what was wrong with the timing and you know he's got years and years and years of Ty france all he does is hit <laughs> behind i've heard that before somebody came up with that i think it's brilliant myself (laughs) but i i I don't think that he needs much affirmation i think he knows when 
where he is. And I think that there have been some games here and there throughout this where it, it might appear that he was having success, but you would still hear in, in what he was saying, eh, still a little bit off right there. Uh, it sounded a little bit different today. It really did. Home run in his final at-bat of the day, a solo shot. Not the only Mariner with a home run today. Dylan Moore with a three-run blast, opening the scoring in the fifth inning. Or Is blast the operative word? I mean, it was a 98-mile-an-hour <laughs> exit velocity uh, just over the left field fence into yes. Edgar's Cantina. 355, but, yeah. it counts. <laughs> Look, it counts just the same as a 470-foot blast, uh, however you do it. But, but Dylan Moore, I mean, one of the unsung heroes on this team this year, uh, gets the start today is J.P. Crawford Nick or, uh, nursing that pec injury. Uh, but, I mean, Dylan Moore, he's got so many positions that he plays defensively. Uh, we're seeing it with the on-base percentage this year. I mean, it feels like this has been Dylan Moore's best season in the bigs. He's such an interesting player, and when they got him, it was, well, what are we going to do with him is what the fans were thinking, but what they're doing with him right now is exactly what Jerry Depoto thought he was going to do with him. We know that he's always valued versatility, and Dylan Moore is about as versatile a player as you are going to get. Today he was at shortstop, his normal position. I think he can roll out of bed and play shortstop for the most part, but he's also turned himself into a very nice outfielder. Uh, many times throughout the year, he had the best off uh, out, defensive outfield numbers for any player out there not named Julio, and uh, he, he's he's done that for a couple of years. Not bad for a guy who you know that's not his his everyday I think job. You can safely say he is an outfielder too. Now I think he is you know truly an infielder, outfield, and th- th- you can't say enough for how much that means to a manager to have a player that you can trust like that anywhere where you put him. And uh, unfortunately, you know, a couple of years ago, he was given the opportunity to earn a spot at seven ba- seventh base, second. <laughs> wow. I mentioned we've been here a lot the last three days. There hasn't been a lot of sleep. Um, Breaking news. They're adding more base. bases. <laughs> Big if true. Yeah. Um, he had second base, and uh, he, he had an issue, with, of all things, with hitting the fastball, which has always been his game, and, and that kind of opportunity passed. But... Even though he didn't become an everyday player there, his spot was every bit as guaranteed this year as if he had been the second baseman. They value him that much, and he has earned that. So uh, for him to come out, and the home run today was very atypical for him because he usually is a big exit velocity guy. He has got some serious pop when he connects, and today, uh, you know, they'll take it. They will absolutely take it. But there's not a lot you have to worry about when all of a sudden J.P. Crawford's out, got to play today. And I don't have you played the skipper yet? Uh, not yet. Update on JP Crawford. He's day to day. The MRI did not show any tear uh, of the pecs, so they're just going to kind of hope that the off day does turn things around for him. And if not, you got Dylan Moore that you can put out there. Well, that's great news on JP Crawford's front there. Day to day, and the Mariners have the day off tomorrow, so hopefully he'll be rested and ready to go for Tuesday's game against the Tigers. Shannon, uh, the big story of the day, though, Robbie Ray looking fantastic again. His month of August, a uh, really sparkling month for him. I bet he hates to see the, the calendar turn to September, but, I mean, you can't ask for more out of the guy on this homestand. He took a no-hitter into, the what, the seventh inning, his first start of the homestand against Washington, and then today he faced the minimum through five. He went seven innings, only allowed the three hits, no runs. I mean, between him and Luis Castillo right now, it's hard to pick which guy is is the anchor of the staff because they both have been so tremendous. 
It has been so fun to watch the evolution of Robbie Ray this year. I mean, I, I, I was with a lot of people. I was pulling my hair out in April. Where's the Cy Young guy? <laughs> he never panicked. And he had a process that he was going through and was finding where he was and working with the people that he was working and the systems that he was working with, getting his stuff. And But I think he understands the length of the season and what he needs to do to get to where he is. And along the way, added a two-seam, leaned on that for a little while. He's not leaning on that anymore. You know, the Robbie Ray we saw today and his last time out was so much closer to the Robbie Ray that won the Cy Young Award winner but he's also now got the two-seamer, which makes it that much tougher on the hitters and what he's able to do in uh, where he you know, want, wants to put the baseball and giving different looks out there. Um, this was an interesting one. I hope somebody asked. I don't know if you caught it because I told you he doesn't look comfortable out there in the first inning. Right before, or I think it was actually in the Jose Ramirez at bat, he went behind the, the uh, mound and actually kind of dropped down into a squat for a second. And... I don't know if he was, we need a new plan. I don't know if something felt off, but there was some sort of something at that point, and then he goes on and does what he does. But all he has done his last two outings is given up five total hits, one total run, walked one batter, and struck out 14. And you say he doesn't want the calendar to turn to September. What's to say he doesn't get better out there? That's true. You know, he is competitive as all gets out. Well, and and as as we saw last year during his Cy Young award-winning season, from July onward, he was an absolute horse for Toronto, uh, really picking up. He wasn't even an all-star last year, and that's how good of his second half he had a year ago, which resulted in a Cy Young award. Obviously, that will probably not be the case this year unless he just goes berserk throwing five no-hitters in a row. I'd love to see it. But uh, <laughs> you look at, at Robbie the Ray, though, you mentioned that ability to not panic. And I think in the second half of the season, you saw those two starts he had against Houston back-to-back where they roughed him up both times. And yet he was able to just compartmentalize those starts, get past them, figure out what it was that that was you know hurting him in those starts, and he's back to what he was from mid June to mid July, and that is one of the very best pitchers in the American League, and and you can see why the Mariners gave him that contract this off season because he has very much been that pitcher outside of those two starts against Houston since what mid June now. He has, and but you know what? One of the things that I needed to see, and he struggled coming out of the break, but the break, you know, obviously you break routine completely, and that can be troublesome for some people. When I went back and I looked at what he did when he added the two-seamer, I wanted to keep an eye on something because it just was like, I hope what I look at I don't see here, and I did. He was facing a lot of the teams that didn't have more of the threatening lineups. Let's put it that way. But that's not what we're seeing now. Now we are absolutely seeing this is a guy that is in a groove right now. The stuff is nasty. He competes as good as anybody out there. And uh, the horse aspect as well. He didn't have quite the velocity that he had in his last outing, but his last outing, I think he threw his 97 in his last inning. And it's fun to watch when he kind of just unloads the tank at the end when he knows that he's coming out. And today it wasn't quite like that. But, man, the way that he battles to get those outs and see him, you know, again, facing the minimum for five innings after what he did. He threw, what, six no-hit last week or last time out. And then Cal Raleigh erasing the one base runner. Uh, we don't talk about Cal enough yeah. on the plate. He's thrown out, what, one-third of the base runners that have tried to steal on him? I mean, And he missed, what, 
couple weeks of the season after being sent down to AAA. He's won off the major league lead and caught stealing. And, of course, there's percentages which are different, but I kind of like it. I don't know if you heard. I have a thing. He's a member of the 2020 club. All right. He's got 20 home runs and 20 caught stealings. There we go. (laughs) I like it. I like it. And that's not an impressive stat, but it sounds good. She is our Mariners insider, Shannon Dreyer. You, you have inspired a second snort of the uh, day. Nice. You can't get these stats anywhere else, you really folks. She's our Mariners insider, Shannon Dreyer. You can follow her on Twitter at Shannon Dreyer. Read all of her work at seattlesports.com. Shannon, we will talk to you from Detroit this week as the Mariners take on the Tigers as they start that road trip on Tuesday. Just around the other side, it was a banner week for one Seattle Mariner not named Ichiro who was celebrated throughout the week at T-Mobile Park. It was Julio Rodriguez who signed that massive contract extension. We take a listen to some of the best of what he had to say, what Jerry DePoto had to say, what everybody at Julio's press conference over the weekend had to say. That's coming your way next here on Extra Innings. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Here comes the 0-1. Swung on and blasted to left field. It is high. It is back. It is deep. It is gone! Julio, a moonshot home run, creeping over the wall in left field. He slowly trots the bases. The fans explode this capacity crowd on their feet and screaming as Julio stomps on home plate. Julio Rodriguez, his 21st home run of the season, and the Mariners a 2-0 lead. Of course Julio Rodriguez would go yard on the day of his press conference announcing the massive contract extension that he signed with the Mariners over the course of the weekend. It was rumored to have gone down on Friday. Saturday, the team announced it It is official, and then Saturday night, he goes and hits the home run. I mean, the guy has such a flair for for the dramatic. Uh, He is an absolute machine when it comes to delivering in in those kinds of moments. And, And you look at what he can do for this franchise. I mean, we only have scratched the surface at what Julio Rodriguez, the baseball player, could become in his major league career. And I got to thinking over the week, like, this guy could potentially be here for 18 years, his entire major league baseball career. And, and like, where are we now and where could we be 18 years from now? And, like, I, I have a one-year-old at home who she is the the most – precious thing in the world and I was thinking to myself like I could be taking her to college by the time Julio Rodriguez his contract is up with the Mariners like if he hits all of these performance incentives if he hits all these bonuses and these options and whatnot like we're looking at a drastically different world by the time Julio Rodriguez's contract is up with the Mariners and it just kind of puts into perspective like how big of a commitment these two sides are making to each other and even if it doesn't you know even if it doesn't hit all these incentives and all these options it is still at its core about an 8-year deal and that is a significant commitment to one another and I mean, how many guys have come through this organization over the course of its existence that you'd be willing to make a commitment to like this? I think of maybe Alex Rodriguez and Ken Griffey Jr. and, and Ichiro, guys who were, you know, Felix Hernandez. 
it is the cream of the crop. It's the absolute best of the best, the most talented players that this organization has ever produced. And Julio, you can definitely tell, is on that trajectory, is definitely in that pantheon or could be in that pantheon at some point in his Major League Baseball career. So why not? Put put a ring on it, so to speak. You know, why not stake your claim and say we want you here for the long term? Do you want to be with us? And I think just over the weekend, it was such a a joyous occasion. Obviously, you had the Ichiro ceremony and and all the memories of his career, all that brought back for Mariners fans. But also seeing the Mariners commit to a player of Julio Rodriguez's caliber. For a long, long term deal, not just you know five, six years here or there. We're talking at least eight years. We're talking a significant amount of time. Julio Rodriguez, Jerry Depoto, and a couple other members of the Mariners brass they stepped to the podium over the weekend to announce the signing to the members of the press that were in attendance and also uh, online and on TV this weekend. We take a listen now to some of the best of what Julio and Jerry Depoto had to say about how this deal came together. You know, it, it, it's funny. When it started, we were in the middle of our draft meetings. Uh, this is roughly, I think, July 2nd or so. And and um, we had just connected with Ulysses and inquired about the, the, the possibilities here. And, and we had a couple of conversations during the first couple of days of July. And at that time, you know, I... I got a phone call from Ulysses and, and we got Julio on the line and that's when they let me know that uh, that he had been asked to participate in the home run derby and uh, we, we supported that and we talked it through and I hung up the phone and I said to John I think this just got a little more expensive <laughs> but uh, you know it was that too it was such a great moment for, for this team and, and for, for our organization for our city you know, to see what Mariners baseball is about, to have so much attention paid to us, uh, especially over the last calendar year, has been phenomenal. And with players like Julio and a lot of the guys that are sitting in this room, there's a, I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. What's it about, Alan, about this organization over these past five years to make you want to show this loyalty and stay here for so long? Uh, they helped me to get, to get to this level. I feel like I got a good care into them. I feel like they put a lot of things into my play that they were positive and that I understood, my, uh, Ulysses understood, and like pretty much my family understood that it was good and the best for me, and they always showed me their loyalty to me. They always showed me their love. They always showed me that they care about me, and I really appreciate that. I'm somebody that uh, my dad taught me that uh, at a young age. I actually appreciate be grateful to the people that help you to, to get to where you, where you are right now, and I feel like that's what the Mariners showed to me and that's why I want to be here. Could you imagine where you'd be without this specific group of teammates and coaching staff? Jerry mentioned that first month of the season, you called out Ty. It is a special group. They've helped you in special ways. Yeah, it's just I feel like I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be the same. I wouldn't be the same. Like I know a lot of people say, okay, you put the work in, but I got to give credit to the people that helped me. I feel like with all the advices that they gave me, well, I, I, I want to mention Ty again. There is countless things that he had told me to basically stay on, on, the, on the way and uh, just amazing. I love having everybody around and like thank to them that I'm able to see here right now. Julio, how did you come to learn about the significance of baseball in Seattle and what it means to the fans in Seattle and how important the winning is? I mean, that's, I feel like that's the, that's the easy thing to feel. I feel like every time you step out there, 
they, the fans show you their love. Like they, the fans show you their love, and I feel like every, everybody that I've been playing here can tell you that it's 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 pretty special place. And I have heard from another sources that back in the day they they have been the same thing. And man, I just love it. I just love the genuine love that they show for the team. When you're sort of operating without, I know all contracts are different, but there's no real blueprint or anything even probably remotely close to what you guys did here. Um, can you kind of talk about the back and forth on that? Did this all, how much was, you know, with you taking it to them, them taking it to you, and did this come together relatively quickly? How did that process go? Well, I, you know, based on the timeline that I started with Larry just a moment ago, you know, this this took about two months to work our way through, and and I, and I don't think I'm selling it short with, with Ulysses. We, we spoke on on this, met live, did Zoom calls. Uh, Ulysses met us on on the road in in Dallas just a, a, a couple of weeks back. He's been here to Seattle now on two occasions, and you know. Dozens and dozens of conversations to get to this point, and you know, we we started with something that looked very basic, and came out with something that that looked like hieroglyphics, you know. But it's a but again, the uniqueness of trying to capture what Julio has a chance to achieve in his career, and and to be fair with him about what that could look like in the end was a challenge, you know. And and I think Ulysses was great working with us. And hopefully, you know, it's. A, I mean, we hope that this is a 17-year-long marriage, and then we decide what to do about year 18 and beyond. You know, and and we work very hard to to make, you know, pathways to 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 be fair and equitable to Julio for what he has a chance to do in the game. There's been a list of Mariners outfielders that have gone on to do great things across baseball. You will forever be tied to Ichiro because of everything that's happening this weekend. What's the significance of that to you? Man, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I feel like everybody that knows Ichiro, I feel like all the players here, everybody on the staff can tell you that how special Ichiro is, Ichiro is for us. I feel like he's just somebody, he's a legend. He's a legend. He's, he could be one of the greatest. You can say so many good things about him and the way that he just carries himself and the way that he does, he does things, even right now. Uh, I always said in the way that he stays so disciplined, I feel like he's a great role model for everybody here in this room and outside of it too. Well, there's a lot of performance incentives in this in this deal, and you've talked all along about never setting limits for yourself. How important was that to kind of have included so you can kind of control your own destiny on where this goes? Uh, just basically, they're betting on me, and like I'm the best in the city of Seattle. I'm I'm definitely gonna put myself in the, the best position I can so I can keep performing for for the team, for the city, and for everybody. I feel like that's just who I am, and I feel like that's why I'm happy that I got that contract like that, because it's, it's definitely going to keep me motivated, and I'm definitely going to keep grinding every single year, and I'm going to keep putting myself in the best position I can to keep performing on the field. Jerry, you mentioned that the talk started in early July, but was there a moment for you either back in Julio's time in the minors or the beginning of the year where you realized this is the guy that we want to invest in long term and keep him here for the rest of his career? Uh, you know, I mean, frankly, we have a number of those players, and we've been fortunate enough to sign a few of them up over the last handful of years, and, and Julio was, was one of those players truly the moment he signed with us. It was a pretty obvious to us when he was playing in the DSL, you know, how special a talent he was on the field. But more importantly, and, and, you know, I can't really understate this, 
when you get to know the people, you know, and and Julio, you know, briefly touched on his time through the minor leagues, but from the Dominican Academy, the people who brought Julio in, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't credit Tim Kisner for the role that he played in, in Julio being here today, and and you know, and our entire group down in the Dominican Republic, uh, the player development system, Andy McKay, and and the group that, and I, I would say Jose Umbria, maybe as much as anybody, being a you know a guide for Julio and every step of the way every one of them telling us this is a special person you know the the, the player part we can see uh, but the special person you get to know over time and and once we got to know about that part of Julio and his work ethic his commitment to to not just to wanting to be great because that's obvious with the way he works it's it's his commitment to his teammates you know I could tell stories and I have about my recollection of Julio's first spring training in the United States, when his enthusiasm for what the other guys were getting to experience going over as just-in-case guys in major league games. You just don't see that. And, you know, that meant a lot. And to an organization, to have a player who is that invested in his teammates and the people around him and that proud to wear the jersey is pretty special. In just a little bit, we check in on the Mariners' next opponent, the Detroit Tigers, with reporter for The Athletic, Cody Stavenhagen. He joins me next on Extra Innings. I'm Curtis Rogers. This is the Mariners Radio Network and Seattle Sports Station.